in three, two, one. I'm Jerry Trippiano, and you're listening to the I Love Shandy Show. Oh, Shandy, are you home? Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's I Love Shandy Show. I've got a very special guest that I had the pleasure of meeting at the NAM show. Okay, this guy is multi-talented from songwriting to keyboards to producing. Let's welcome Claudio Pesavento. Welcome, Claudio. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And to all of my listeners out there, Claudio has played in bands such as Foreigner, Chris Squire, Dawkin, Mahogany Rush, and so much more. Multi-talented and a super nice guy. Um, thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, but I'm being here on the show with you. I mean, I've been trying to do this long time ago. I, I know it. For some reason, you know. Well, it was so nice to meet you in person. You are just so wonderful. And um, I was just like, wow. And I absolutely loved your sunglasses. Your sunglasses were amazing with the blue shades. Super cool. Uh, I like them because I can see at night. Oh, oh really? So there's a, a, a trick to a blue lens at night. Hmm. Well, these glasses basically that I use, I, I got them on purpose because a lot of times, you know, I look too tired, you know, I don't want people to see me looking tired. So basically, well, if I put sunglasses, you know, that I'm going to see nothing. At night. So these ones are perfect because I can see at night. So, yeah. Well, very cool. So, Claudio, I would like to start out with a question of kind of getting to know you a little bit. And what was your exposure to music when you were younger? Well, in Argentina, when I was born, uh, I had like a small radio, I guess. And they were playing the Beatles a lot on the radio. You know, I was in the 60s. Um, I was a little kid, so I was like maybe five, six years old. And they were playing all the time the Beatles. And then after that, it was like all the American stuff, you know, like, you know, James Taylor, Carol King, uh, you name it. You know, those days, um, Jimi Hendrix, Woodstock, you know, all the stuff, you know, Janet Joplin. Uh, the Doors, Deep Purple, the beginning of 70, uh, I was one of the bands that really got me to, into playing keyboards too, you know. Mm-hmm. But number one, it was the Beatles, obviously. So I went to school and they have a, they make you to choose something to make an exposition about something that you like. So I chose the Beatles. So, I have a friend that was working on this magazine in Argentina. They they let me borrow all the photos and stuff related to the Beatles, you know, all the all the black and whites from Revolver, all the albums. So I was able to make an exposition, you know, and I had the music, the audios, and everything. So that was my first experience with music, basically. But at the time I was playing, I was playing soccer. I was, I wanted to be a soccer player. 
So when I was 12, I had my big chance to join this team in Argentina that's very popular. Uh, I didn't play for one month. I wasn't playing that much at school. Um, all of the reasons. Uh, so I want the chance to go there. I, I couldn't see the ball. I was out of shape. So basically, they said, sorry, next. <laughs> 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 so I was crying. All day, whatever. And then I, my, my family got a piano at the house, and then suddenly I started to play the piano. You know, just I learned, imagine from John Lennon that that was the first one that I learned on the piano. Oh wow! The black notes, because I was playing the black notes, because the black notes always sound harmonic and melodic. So that's the was the beginning, basically. I put all my emotions into music. I started to play, I started to write songs on my own, basically. I mean, just just happens. I have the connection with the writing songs and, you know, learning the piano. So I, I play by ear, so basically uh, I never study piano or music. Oh, wow. Yeah. That is amazing. <laughs> Yeah, that's like really amazing. So what was your first band like in Argentina? And what was that like to take those piano skills and put them onto the keyboard and then actually go to a band with it? Well, I went for the first three years. I was always, you know, locked on my room. Uh, I was just writing songs, singing, you know, whatever. And... I went to see my first live show. I was 13 years old. I went to see Santana in Argentina. They play there. Nice. It was amazing. Uh, and I went, I went to see Woodstock, you know. So all that had to do a lot with it, you know. The, you know I, I just got inspired by all that. And I never expected it was going to become my career. But the moment was when um, I started to listen to, you know, Yes, Genesis, Chick Corea, Chick Corea, Mahavishnu, you know, all those bands, you know, in the 70s that they give you a challenge to, to become a better player because, you know, jazz fusion and all the stuff, you know, it requires technique and more more, more dedication. It's not just like a playing chord changes. So, so I remember I was going to this jazz club in Buenos Aires. That uh, I see all these guys playing. I said, "Wow, I like the way they play. I want to play like that." So <laughs> basically, it's about improvi improvising, improvisation. Because you, you get to play solo. You have to play whatever happens in the moment. You can't just plan that, you know. Mm -hmm. So I learned how to play by improvising and when jamming on all those jams, on the jazz squad. Um, that's how I started basically to become more, you know, better player. And I started to play fusion, jazz, rock. 
Um, we're going to see Brock. So, yeah, that's what happens. I have a long story to tell you, but you know, I don't think you have enough time. No, no, please, please tell me the story, please. <laughs> well, I always wasn't, I wasn't sent at the, at the right place at the wrong time, basically. I was, I always meet the right people at the right place, whatever. I mean, I, I was going out, I was very young, uh, I wanted to play, I was just, that's why my, my, my passion was to play the piano, uh, to play synthesizer now. And I have my sisters that, the old piano teachers, they all studied for seven years or so. They never play music, they just went to the conservatory and learned that. But it was, not meant to be for them, but I was the one who became a musician. So, it was interesting, you know, because I don't know how to read music, and I, I play music, basically. And all those girls, all my sisters, you know, they, they study over here. I mean, they know how to read and all the stuff, but they, they never approach music as a career. So, yeah. So I started to hang out some places that people that I like as musicians, you know, their bands, uh, I just I started to get acquainted with these people. Suddenly the chance appeared, you know, like Claudio, we need a keyboard player, you know. So I never played with a band before. Oh. Okay, no problem, I go. So I went there and then, you know, I took a chance, you know, basically, I wasn't afraid to fail, but basically I feel like it, all my life I, I was guided by something, you know, it's always was a guide, a spiritual guide, I don't know if it was a ghost or something, a lot of people, and uh, some, some, uh, some moment to do, uh, how do you call it, uh, they do uh, readings, you know, about people, about reincarnations or whatever. Yep. So they told me that I was a reincarnation of piano player from France. <laughs> France Liszt, or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, I, I, never, I never think anything about it. But like a few years ago, I started to look on, on the internet and say, well, I want to see how he looks, you know. And he looks just like me. Oh, wow. That is so yeah, cool. Yeah. weird. <laughs> so, yeah. So, that's what happened. Uh, anyway, so I went to my first show. I was playing with a famous guitarist from Argentina and blues player and rock player. His name was Papo. He played with later, later in the 90s, he played with Billy King, you know. So he was a great guitar player, and I played with him my first show, actually. I never played before with anybody. It was interesting, you know, just like, wow. So I got that done, and then I did another band. It more like a progressive rock. I said, sure, I can play. So basically, every time, every, everything becomes like a... A big improvisation in my life, basically, because it, no, I didn't have any plan how to approach or anything. 
Only thing I remember I was listening every day. I was listening to Yes, Genesis, Led Zeppelin, Deep Purple. You know the main the main bands that I was listening to. Well, the Beatles, obviously. But as an instrumentalist, as a keyboard player, I was attracted to you know Genesis and Yes and Chick Corea, Herbie Hancock, you know Jet Beck. All those bands, and then I got the chance to to practice a lot. Not practice, but you know, I was at home. I was just going around a lot because I learned how to play playing the wrong notes, basically. You know? I mean, like uh, every time I played the wrong note, I said, "Okay, that one is not good." So that's how, that's why I learned to play. Um. So. My next band was um, was a progressive rock band. So bass player he he ended up playing with Tom Petty. He was he was a multi multi instrumentalist. You know, his name was Pedro Aznar. He ended up playing with Tom Petty in 1982. I was on tour with Mahogany Rush, so I was playing in Germany. And the day before, he was playing with Tom Petty in the same spot. I said I couldn't believe it. You know, I didn't, I didn't see this guy in like five years, and then suddenly we crossed paths on Europe and Germany. So I had a band with him, and then after that. I was a little disappointed about it because you know it's hard to keep bands together, you know.、Uh, so finally, I was playing with five bands at the same time.、Uh, one was I was singing, I was playing my songs. That band began to be very popular in Argentina. Then I had another band I was playing like Latin Latin rock fusion.、Um, Also, was very popular, but I wasn't singing. I was just a keyboard player. Then I played another band with a very popular singer, Spinetta, Luis Spinetta of Argentina. He was one of the idols that I ever had when I was growing up. I mean, in the Spanish rock, him and David Lebon. Those guys, I was. Look up. So, you know, so I ended up playing with all them. I ended up playing with every musician that I I I I, I were like my idols. Um, so it was incredible, you know. Just so then I was playing with so many bands at the same time. It was like a, you know, it was hard to deal with it, but. Because I had to bring, I have a Fender Rhodes, like a keyboard that really weighs a lot.、Mm-hmm. It's not easy to carry around. So I remember I I did crazy stuff because I was I was bringing the piano and the and the, and the on a bus on a train to go to rehearse to other places. You know, right? So I was doing I was playing with side bands and have five rehearsals. Wow, it was crazy. I couldn't imagine that, and keeping track of all the music. 
No, not only that, it's just, uh, I, I, was, I was having fun, but the thing is that I had to carry that keyboard. That's fucking uh, heavy, heavy keyboard. <laughs> I tell people the story and they don't believe it because this, he kind of read this piano on, on the bass, but I did. So anyway, um, so my band, the, what that I was singing and playing uh, keyboards, uh, we ended up opening up for Queen in 1980 in Argentina. So I met this girl. She was a she was a translator for for the band Queen. So she saw me playing and she said, "Well, oh, you should come to North America. And you're you're too good for this uh, to play here." Uh, I didn't believe what she said, but you know, basically. Just five months later, she sent me contract from her her brother. He owns a recording studio in Canada, and Montreal. So basically, the week before, I was playing this big festival for hundred thousand people in Buenos Aires. It was for the they have a they have a war going on between, between England and Argentina for the islands, uh, the Falkland Islands. I call them the fucking islands. But yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I played that show and the next thing I know I get this contract from my, uh, the embassy sent me, the Canadian embassy sent me, you got the offer to come to Canada, blah, blah, blah. So for me, it was tough to decide because, you know, I have a girlfriend and I really, really was very much close, spiritually and everything. And, and my family and my bands and all the stuff that I was attached to Argentina. So I decided to go for three months, see what happened. You know? So I didn't tell anybody until one week before <laughs> I took off. So I ended up in Canada and it was weird because I had to bring I had three cats. Like this cat. I had to sell one of my keyboards to, to buy them a ticket, you know. Because oh. you had to pay for you know for the tickets for the cats, so you know. Right. Uh, yeah, so it was a, it was crazy because here I am in another country, I don't speak French or English, and I was like, it was interesting, you know, I had to, basically I got to start from zero, you know, I just, so here I am, then I am in a recording studio, you know, I'm working doing sessions for some customers there, and uh, one day, <coughs> The guy, the drummer from my home in the garage came to the studio and they, they told me, oh, Jimmy, I want to, want to play with you a couple of songs, you know, so I played my songs, you know, and he played drums and we recorded them. And then we became friends and he told me that my home in the garage was looking for a keyboard player. Uh, so he told me if you wanted to audition. I said, sure. 
<coughs> so they have a, I think it was like a 21 other keyboard players, they auditioned, they all, they all were French, and I was the only one from Argentina. Uh, I got the gig, all the French guys got pissed off, you know. Because I come from another country and taking their gig. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, so three months later, I was on tour with Mahogany Rush, basically, with Aerosmith, ACDC, you name it. We played with Queen, and it was crazy. Wow. Uh, that was the beginning of them. We played with a lot of bands, but, you know, just, just to mention some, but uh, it was very interesting to see Queen again, and like it was weird just to be on the same stage, you know. <coughs> so, that's it. That's why I started to play in North America. Um, so my contract to work was for six months. So I had to renew my contract every, every six months. I had to get a new, you know, new visa. So immigration was tough, you know, just to go. I had to go to New York, New York, stay there for a couple of weeks and come back to Canada. Like a, unless I was on tour, then I have, you know, like a longer visa. But, you know, in between, in the between days of the touring, I had to go back to Montreal or I had to stay in New York. So it was, it was you know, it wasn't easy. I had fun playing music definitely and when I was playing, you know, like this was a very magical experience because I mean I play with the loudest guitar player ever. <laughs> 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 my first my first show I have like a small amplifier Roland. Mm -hmm. I just play, you know, like a jazz gig, so a jazz fusion for um I said, I cannot hear myself, I have to get something. So I, and the week after I got Marshall amplifiers, you know, the guitar amplifiers, I was very loud. So I was able to play. I was very loud on stage. Uh, I had so much fun, you know. Oh, every night, like, yeah, every night was like a big challenge, you know. You know, those days was more about it was more about musicianship, you know, it wasn't about, like today, you know, it's about uh, technology, you know, you can fake stuff, you know, but just live is live, you know, you have to play perfect. You know. That is very true. So, what was your favorite decade to play music in? What do you think it was, the 80s or the 90s or? Well, the 80s was great and the 90s were, were good too. I mean, in 2000, I, I was playing with this band. <laughs> Sorry. I work in Montreal. I, I, I record with Cindy Dion. I record, I work with Aldo Nova, uh, uh, the singer from Everwine, my, my good friend. I did a lot of stuff in Montreal too. Uh, but basically, when I moved to the States, I started to get work. I mean, I play. When I was in Canada, I, I was working with Chris Squire for years. I did a couple of movies, soundtracks, you know. I, 
I met him in New York in 1993, and we became really good friends. So anyway, so I moved to LA in 2019. Uh, right away, I got a gig with with a band called a band called, a band called Heaven and Earth. I don't know if you hear of them. Yeah. Yeah. So I was playing with. With uh, Blake Hughes, uh, Kelly, Kelly Hansen, the singer that sings with Fauna now. Kelly Hansen, I was singing. Kelly Killing, also one of the singers. Richie Sambora, play guitar and couple songs, and uh, a number of great players playing that thing. Uh, Johnny, Johnny Turner, he also was. Uh, he sings in couple songs. So I was in Heaven and Earth for like two years. Then I was hanging out with Kelly Killing, the singer. You know him? The name sounds familiar. What band is he uh, from? He was in a band called Battle Rouge. And he, he was also, he sings with Michael Schenker. And he sings with Blue Murder. He was in the band with John Sykes. Uh, he was the keyboard player and he was singing podcast, I guess. So, I was in his hotel in, in Redondo Beach. So he took off. So, he disappeared for like a day. So I said, well, what's going on with him? Um, somebody called at the hotel, you know, and I said, answer the phone. I met I met him before and Don Dog and he called. So he asked me where's Kelly. He had to come he had to come to the studio to record this song with me. He was going to play the piano, so So Don know me because I was playing with with Heaven and Earth and he came to a couple of shows and we played uh Breaking the Chains, you know, that song, we played him, with him, that song. We had different people showing on stage, and we had like a, the guy from Ariel Speedwagon, Gary Richard, and we played a couple songs from his band also, and we had Steve Priest, you know, the guy from, from Sweet, we played some of Sweet songs too, on our set. And Keith Emerson also showed up to play a couple of songs here. Uh, so, so what happened is that Don asked me, oh, listen, if you can't out there, you want to come to the studio and play some piano? I said, sure. I didn't know what I was going to play, but just basically I just went for it. And I went to the studio and Don, Don showed me the chord changes of this song that he needs a piano. So I learned the chord changes and then he took off. So I was there alone for two hours doing some takes and when he came back, I said, great, sounds great, you know, that's it. I got paid, whatever. And when the album came out, this is something I didn't tell anybody. Mm-hmm. The melodies that I, I was playing with the piano melodies, he was singing 
the same thing. You know, basically, I wrote the song almost. But yeah. That's great. I never told him that, but basically, yeah, I just was surprised that we were singing on the same notes at the same time. We, we weren't together. We weren't together. I play alone. When this, the album came out, I hear his song, his vocal, and I said, wow, how do we sound so good together? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's my story. Well, I really like that story. It was a, it's like going on a little adventure with you. Um, I, I've got to say, you've played so many different genres of music. Um, and out of all the sounds that you've been exposed to, like, what is the most enjoyable for you to play and experiment with on your own time? Well, I like music that doesn't have boundaries, you know. Basically, you don't have to write a song that's going to sound like a, you know, like a, the usual song that people write. So most of the stuff that you hear on the radio is always the same chord changes, always the same stupid you know, formula that they use to sell music. I like to play stuff that is more like a, that nobody expects, you know. Uh, basically, I, I improvise, you know. Sometimes, you know, I'm inspired and something happens, you know. But I like, I like music that is musical, it's musicality and that is good to the ears, you know, basically it doesn't have to be commercial. Mm -hmm. I like good music, basically, you know, like, I grew up listening to good music. I like John Lennon as a composer and I like, you know, yes, because of Wakeman, you know, and for improvising and for jamming, I like John Lord from Big Purple and I like, you know, all the jazz players, Chick Corea or <laughs> John Hammer. Because <clears throat> I, I like to play guitar with the keyboard, basically. You know? So when I play a solo with a synthesizer, it sounds a lot like a guitar. And a lot of times, you know, some guitar players are saying, who plays guitar? Say me. <laughs> <laughs> they don't like that. You play guitar with your keyboards. Why don't you hire a guitar player? Oh, <laughs> well, because I like, I like to play guitar with the keyboards, whatever. <laughs> That's it. Very unique. That, that, that's my, my, uh, my forte, basically, when it comes to playing keyboards. You know, I can really play like a guitar player with a keyboard, you know, that's the side of him. Uh, I love it. I love to play that kind of, you know, it's, maybe I wanted to be a guitar player, I don't know. <laughs> no, I think your tarot cards from your past life definitely had it right, Claudio. I do feel like you um, were meant to be a keyboard piano player, and it definitely, um, especially with your background, really does show your talent. And I do believe that we are where we're supposed to be. Um, so let me ask you this. How did you get into the production side of music when you were already so busy in six bands and running yourself all over the place, taking care well, of three cats. That, yeah, what happened is that the more you grow up, the more you become more knowledge about what sounds good and what the song needs and stuff like that. Yeah. 
So I was, I was lucky to work in New York at Electric Ladyland. That's the studio that Jimi Hendrix record and all these famous bands record there. Bon Jovi record there. Everybody record there. So I was there. I, I, I learned how to arrange, uh, basically play for the song, not for me, for my ego, but just make the song and the singer sound good, basically. Because, mm-hmm. you know, if you have a song, you have to play for the singer, basically. You know, you, get, you have to, everything has to be around that. But most of the times, I didn't know what I was doing, basically. It's just magic. You know, the magic of the moment. A lot of times, I remember playing really great part for the song and the, and the engineer forgot to record it, you know. <laughs> Uh, he told me, can you play that again? I said, no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember what I did. Right. That's the thing about music, you know, sometimes when you, when you improvise, you don't know what's going to happen, yeah. So I've been fortunate about that, but I have like, some kind of angel that inspired me or, you know, play for me sometimes. I mean, I guess, you know, sometimes you just let things happen and you just, you just, go with the flow basically you know mm-hmm. but most of the times I never plan anything except now that you know when somebody called me to do a session you know and I have to pay attention to you know what the song needs but still most of my technique my technique and my feeling comes from improvising basically like you know I'm recording I'm recording three songs with a singer from White, White Lion, Ooh. Mike Trump, and then I just improvise. And then I, I say, what do you think of this? Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so I send it to them and you know, I, I let them deal with it. But I was surprised, you know, because sometimes it's just one take. You know, it takes only one take. To... And the production part... <laughs> Producing is basically is like a painting, you know. You just uh, you have a sauna, you have to just put some good colors, and whatever whatever feels good. They just you know develop that. But you have to do a lot with sound, also with uh, you know creativity. You know, it takes. I mean, I don't like to waste too much time, you know, looking for sounds or stuff like that. Uh, I just don't like thinking too much, but. Most of the times, if you're in the right moment, you can find the right feel and the right sound, you know. But it's all about the ears, you know. If you have a good ear, you know, you know what sounds good and what sounds bad, you know. Technically, you know, I never study. Recording and stuff like that, basically. My experience is from watching some engineers when I record with Mahogany Rush, when uh, I record with Dokken, uh, Celine Dion, or whatever. You know, I just I, I just pay attention to what they do, but I don't know, I don't always remember everything. But I just, you have, to, you have to improvise sometimes, you have to figure it out as it goes, you know. But at the end, when it's the final mix, I give it to somebody else because, if you want to make it sound perfect for the radio or the... Yeah, 
So when I was living in New York, I met everybody. Everybody you ever want to meet. From Robert Plant to David Bowie and Boy George. I didn't want to meet Boy George. But <laughs> <laughs> so, so I didn't know the impact that it has in my career and the fact that I play with Mahogany Rush. Like, it's, you know, the band is very well known around musicians, you know? Mm-hmm. So, when I was talking to Robert Plant, he knew Mahogany Rush, like, I didn't know he knew it, but he did. So, and, or wherever, and David Bowie, or all these guys that I met in there, and I met uh, Billy Idol, Madonna. I went to audition for Madonna because I wanted to make some money. <laughs> I did. That's great. When I, was, when I was living in New York, I went to audition for her for the, her first tour. It was uh, like a version tour, whatever. Um, so I had to learn four songs. I learned them. And when I went to the audition, she told me, you have to cut your hair, you have to change your look if you want to play in my band. <laughs> <laughs> I said, no, I can't. I'm a, rock, I'm, I'm a musician, I'm a rock musician. So that's it, that was my, my moment. <laughs> then, then I also, they offered me to play with Billy Idol. They wanted a girl, so they want me to wear a wig and wear high heels, and I said, no. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so weird stuff, you know. So, yeah, it's funny because I met a lot of bands before they made it. Like, Duran Duran, I met them in Montreal. And my friend, uh, Jimmy, the drummer from Ohio Rush, he, he was taking them out when they play in Montreal. He took them out to these clubs, you know. So I met them and hung out, and, and they weren't big yet. So, interesting, you can meet so many people. Yeah, and you definitely have gotten um, the opportunities, and like you said, you know, you've been put, it's like the um, perfect moment of the right place at the right time, and what a blessing that is. I got to ask you, like, out of everybody that you've ever worked with, like, do you ever get nervous, like, at all? And if you do, like, what's your advice for your nerves? Well, number one is that if you have to, you have to be prepared, basically, you know, you can't just go. And I did some auditions. I I, mean, I wasn't prepared. I just, why not just, you know, take it or whatever. <laughs> but... I don't recommend that, but, uh, yeah. I mean, I don't take some, some, some bands, I don't take them seriously because not my kind of music, basically. Mm-hmm. I have opportunities. But, you know, I mean, I love music, but sometimes I have, I like to choose who I play with, you know? Yeah. Uh, playing with Chris Choir was my highlight of my career. Uh, playing Chris Choir and Taylor Hawkins drums, uh, a singer for years, and a couple other guys that you might not know, but we played, basically, Chris, I, I had cancer in 2010, I was 
took me like a year to recover, you know. I couldn't play for like two years. Wow. So Chris Quire called me after that. He knew I was sick for a while. So suddenly he called me and said, Oh, I have a gig for you. I said, Really? Which kind of gig? And then he sent me the list of songs, all these Yes songs and his solo, solo album. So I had like a one week to learn all these songs. I, I didn't play for three years. So for some reason, you know, I did the gig, but basically the first day that I started trying to learn the song, my, my hands couldn't, you know, play at all. So I tried the next day. So I almost called him and told him, I cannot do it. So finally, I um, started to, every day I was trying, trying, trying more and more, and then my hands are starting to wake up a little bit. So, I had to learn eight songs in one week that I never played before. So for some reason I did learn them. I was playing like 12 hours a day, basically, for one week. So the next thing I know, he called me and said, well, this is the address for the of the rehearsal. So I didn't know nothing about it. Just I just went. So I went to the rehearsal in the Foo Fighter studio, you know, the Big Roll studio. Mm-hmm. It's in Norwich. I didn't know. I just got there and said, oh wow. And then the next thing I know, uh, Taylor Hawkins was playing drums for the thing. very thankful that you beat cancer because you have a lot to give left in this world. And I'm so thankful that you're here and what an opportunity to just get you forward and back again. Yeah, I was, I was, uh, I know I have blessings, you know, all the lights. I do. I just, you know, when I had cancer, I, I told my mother I was going, I was going to go back to Argentina. But for some reason, things started to happen in LA. Because I was staying, I was, when I had cancer, I was in Washington State. So basically, I was in Pullman, Washington. Uh, I had my friend had a recording studio there. So when I got sick, I got stuck in there, you know. So I had to go to Lewiston, Idaho for the treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was tough. Um, so I went back to LA. March, no, actually it was July 2011, I went, I went to see my guru, I have a spiritual master from, from India, and I went to see him in, in LA, so I drove for almost two days from, from Pullman, Washington to Los Angeles, and I saw him, I felt like a, getting stronger, you know, um, it was crazy. 
because my idea was just to go back to Argentina. So I ended up staying in LA. I had to go back to Washington to do some tests because you're not you're not clear from cancer right away. You have to do a lot of tests, you know. Mm-hmm. So I did that. And start, it starts, uh, everything started to happen for some reason. So, so that's why I got that thing with Chris Squire. Uh, that's so why I'm in studio. I started to write songs and started to get stuff going, you know. So I did a lot, actually. Yeah. I'm playing a lot of projects, you know. I did mostly I did a lot of studio work. Uh, so I mean, I've been playing the the ultimate jam night. I was playing at the whiskey. I was playing that since 2017. And before that, I was working with the drummer from Sweet. Uh, working on a rock opera. We had uh, I worked in that project for like three years. Uh, we had a singer from. Roger Waters band, the Pink Floyd, you know. His name is Robbie Wyckoff. We have him, we have Joe Retta, they play with the suite and he played with the Dio Disciples. And, and then we have uh, Jamie Hunting, bass player, he played with David Rock, and he played with Union. Union, the band that, <coughs> sorry. Union is the band that they have with Bruce Kulik. Uh, from Kiss, uh, so yeah, I did that. Uh, wow, there's so much stuff that I, I get, so many stuff that I did that uh, even not remember now. But <laughs> that's I definitely a full life. I did a lot of studio work. Um, so I was waiting for the right moment to start to play my own music, but you know, so far as you know, I'm not able to do it yet, but I have a lot of recordings that I did. So currently I'm working with this guy from UK, his name is Benjamin Owen. He's really talented. Uh, we do like a 80s rock, but more like today. And we're writing songs. And I, I ask, uh, Desmond, Desmond Charles is the one that they wrote all the stuff for Bon Jovi and Aerosmith, Kiss, you know, you know him, right? Yes. So I called again, like, before Christmas, just before the Kiss last concert, and I asked him if he wanted to work with us, and then he told me, Claude, you should have called me one week before. I retired. <laughs> <laughs> so he retired now, so. But he loved the stuff, he loved what we do. And then he said, how you able to do that? Bringing back the 80s. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love the songs are really good. Uh, and the kid sounds like a, it's a mix of Joe Elliott from Death Leopard. He had a bit of Bon Jovi, but not, not his voice, but you know, the style, you know. He's like a really good good singer and the songwriter. Uh, so I wanted to mention when I was when I was living in New York, uh, I went I was I met 
Tony Thompson was the drummer from, from Chic, and he was playing with David Bowie. He, he asked me if he wanted to, to try for Power Station and the Round Around guys, and so I was going to do that, but then suddenly they got somebody else, but it was interesting because I went to the show, um, Robert, Robert Palmer, he didn't do the tour, he just did the album only. I used to hang out with him in New York at the limelight. Uh, Robert Palmer, so basically, it was a party after our party and after our party and they have, uh, everybody was there. Bruce Hornsby, Kiss, uh, Billy Idol, everybody was there. So when I went to the door, I, I had these two guys, two black guys that play with they were great players, musicians. I didn't know who they played with, but you know, I just met them at the at the concert, so I took them to the party. So when I got to the to the door, I was on the on the on the list to get in, so I, I was getting in, and then I saw uh, uh, what's his name? Brian Brian Ferry was outside, and they didn't want to let him in because they didn't recognize him. So I got him in, and the next day, these two black guys, bass player and drummer, said, "Hey Clyde, we have we have a room at this this place." You know? I said, "Oh, me too. I have a room, and it's called the Music Building. Music Building, that's what's on Manhattan, 38th Street and 8th Avenue, and that." I told him, "Yeah, my number is 11, and their number is." Uh, Five or six, I forget. Madonna used to rehearse there before she became famous. Uh, so anyway, the next day they come knocking at my door and say, Claudio, you want to come and jam? We need a cure player. So I go there, and I see the road cases. They have, they, they have, they say, Jeff Beck Group, a Magabino Orchestra. So this guy's playing with all this Musicians that, that I, I admire, like Jeff Beck. Jeff Beck was like one of my idols, you know. Mm-hmm. But here I am playing with these guys. I never, I never, I never know they play with these guys, but whatever. It just happens. All that, all this stuff happens like without planning, you know, basically, you know. So, so I'm not playing the band with these guys. So I end up jamming with Jeff Beck a couple of times. So. It was crazy. It was like a 1984, 85. That's a story that I forgot to tell you. I got too many stories, but you know. I love it. I didn't have to write a book. I know. I wish you would. I, I wish I could keep you on here for hours and hours. Because you just, I mean, you were like a walking documentary, which is like absolutely so cool and amazing. Um, I want to ask you, um, about the RMA awards. Like, um, you know, oh, yeah. I, I really want to talk about that. I could talk about you to, to you about, I mean, you're just so interesting, but can you tell the listeners about the RMA awards? Ooh. Well, my friend, his name is Cole Coleman. He uh, he had, uh, invention. He created the Timbal slide. It's like a slide. You can use, you can play at the same time. You don't have to take it off your finger. 
I can slide, I can, you know, keep playing, I can bend, bend strength, you know. So I met him in 2017 at the show. So the next thing I know, he wanted me to be the, how you call it, uh, artist relations for the slide. He wanted me to bring musicians, I introduced them to the slide, guitar players, because I know a lot of guitar players. Mm -hmm. So I did that the first two years, and then he came up with an idea, the Rock Music Alliance, because the Grammys didn't recognize rock music anymore. Basically, when you watch the Grammys, nothing to rock, uh, progressive rock, uh, you know, you name it, metal. So he came up with the idea of creating the Rock Music Alliance, basically, the grand is like a, like a, it's gonna be the grandest, but it's not the grandest, but it's gonna be all about rock music. So we're gonna recognize rock music, basically, and all the styles, all the genres, and progressive rock, rock, you know, uh, metal, whatever. Um, he came up with the idea of that, you know, and, I was in charge again to get musicians, you know. Because basically what the, the, the awards is about recognized talent over, you know, fame or popularity or sales, basically. It's everything that we check online or bands, we just recognize the talent. It's not about being commercial or anything like that. So, so we're doing that but since 2020. Uh, That's awesome. Um, you know, when I seen you at your NAM booth, I was like, wow, like this really looks like, um, you know, I, I wanted to ask you right then and there about the RMAs, but I'm glad that I asked you here so the listeners um, have an opportunity to tune into them and um, to support the music industry um, and these, you know, different types of awards that recognize talent. Um, we, give awards. We, give, we give awards to, already we give some to, like physical awards, we give some to Orianti and Peter Strauss. Um, but, you know, we have a show, we did like two years ago, we did a, like an online event. Uh, we have all these presenters, you know, for all the categories, you know. Um, so now, this year, we're looking for a place to do a live show. Uh, basically, the judges, they are, the panel of judges, all these musicians, uh, producers, and, you know, engineers, whatever, that, that, they, that those are the ones that decide who is the best of the best, but. You don't have to be popular or famous, you know, it could be anybody. That's so awesome. And we're always looking or checking for new new bands and, um, you know, people to join us on this venture, basically. That so, is so awesome, Claudio. And for the listeners out there, um, how do they find you on like social media or how, how can these listeners, these wonderful listeners become a fan of yours? Well, for the for the for the Rock Music Alliance is the uh, Rock Music Alliance dot com. Uh, it's also on Facebook. 
a mi Instagram, a mi, a mi Facebook, a Facebook es Claudio Cayo Pesavento, en Facebook, y en Instagram es The Real Gallo Claudio, P-H-E-R-E-A-L, G-A-L-O, Claudio, C-L-A-U-D-I-O. That's on Instagram. And I will make sure that I have all of your links up on my website with your flyers so they can go to iloveshannyshow.com and um, you can go right to Claudio's um, Instagram, Facebook, and we'll have a link up there also for the rmaawards.com. And um, Claudio, I could spend hours with you um, talking to you. You are so wonderful, so interesting. I'd love to have you back on again in the future. And thank you so much for coming on I Love Shanny Show and letting myself and the listeners really get to know you. I do have a question for you, though. If you could choose three songs out of all of the different artists that you've worked with to feature for the listeners, what would those three songs be? The ones that, the ones that I work with? Yes. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Well, my home in a rush, obviously, is a song called Strange Dreams, that I play live with them, and I play on the album. That was my first tour that I did. Um, when it comes to other bands, I did one song with Doc that I like, it's called Goodbye, My Friend. Um, it's hard to tell, you know, because... It's a lot of stuff that people don't know that I did, obviously. Yeah. Um, I like the stuff that I did with Chris Choir, uh, movie, but this couple of movies where I did the soundtrack with him. Uh, it's a lot of stuff that, I like the stuff that I'm doing with this guy from England, Benjamin. And I like the stuff that I'm recording now with, uh, with Mike Trump from like white lion. I like something that sounds good. I have a feeling. Oh, I mean, if you need to contact you, then it's not worth really because it's not about feeling something. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, we are going to play um, two songs here at the end of the show uh, for the listeners, and that's going to be Mahogany Rush, uh, Strange Dreams, and um, Dawkins. And, um, goodbye, my friend. And I hope that, um, you come back and see me, Claudio. And I look forward to seeing you at NAM for surely next year. And thank you so much for, um, coming on. Yeah, thank you. I mean, I, you know, it's hard for me to remember everything that I did, but, you know, basically the highlights are there. Well, I appreciate it. You gotta do a documentary. Like, you are so amazing. I would watch like a five hour documentary, if not longer, on you. You are not only so nice and so talented, but I do believe that, um, I mean, you, you have a story to tell and it's very inspirational. And thank you so much for sharing. Of course. And I did the shows with Queen. 
Freddie Mercury was asking, who's that cute Argentinian boy? <laughs> who's that cute Argentinian boy? <laughs> he was talking about me. <laughs> I, I didn't know he likes guys, so I guess he did. Uh -huh. so, anyways, so then, the other one is, uh, when I was on tour with my Rush and uh, Aerosmith, uh, I was at the bar at the hotel and then this blonde girl asked me if he had smoked pot. I said, no, I don't smoke pot. So I told her that my, my drummer and my best friend, they do smoke all the time, all day, basically. <laughs> so I took her to the rooms to help to tell her to give her some smoke, you know, whatever, pot, you know. Mm -hmm. So the next thing I know is that the next day, Steven Tarot will say, oh, Argentinian guy trying to pick up my wife at the bar. <laughs> it was his wife. <laughs> wow. That's the story. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I said, wow. Yeah, it's very wild. That's very funny. Yeah. It is. Well, Claudio. Uh, come back on in the future and um you know i look forward to um you know getting to know you more in the future and like i said what a pleasure to meet you at nam and to finally have this interview with you and thank you so much for your time today all right <laughs> all right listeners out there thank you so much for tuning in to the i love shanny show folks and until next week i'll see y'all soon bye
is just 